If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, to the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. be so kind as to stand for the reading of God's Word, Habakkuk chapter 3. I'm going to read three verses of Scripture, the very last three verses of the chapter and of the book. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail. And the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. and There shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hinds feet or deer he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Father, we just come before you today. Thank you for the day. Thank you for uh, times of joy and celebration. We come to the ministry of the word of God. May it speak to our heart in a powerful, powerful way. Encourage someone today. Maybe someone on the inside feels like, much like the weather on the outside. Would you remind them today that you are the sunlight of their soul and speak to them in a special way and we'll give you praise for these things in Christ's name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk about outlook today. But as I look across this congregation, I see many different jerseys and teams represented. I told someone earlier, I thought I was going to have to perform an exorcism on you because of what you wore to church today. But <laughs> Outlook. So I have to kind of, since it is Super Bowl Sunday, I figured I'd give you a little humor to begin the message and tell you a couple of things that'll make you chuckle or groan or all the above. What do you call 53 millionaires around a TV watching the Super Bowl? The Dallas Cowboys. The Washington Redskin fan called the Dallas Cowboy fan on the phone and said, Y'all can join us right here on the couch for the Super Bowl. To which the Cowboy fan replied, Thank you, it was nice of you to be saving our seat up for us since we're just getting here and you've already been there for a while. Now, Some of you, unless you know your football, you may not get this next one, but some of you will. What is the next thing a Minnesota Vikings fan does when their team has won the Super Bowl? They turn off their PlayStation 5. (laughs) And then I'll wrap up with this one. What happens to football players who go blind? They become referees. (laughs) 
We have some referees in the house. Y'all make sure y'all help them out today. At the beginning of every season, 32 NFL teams have high expectations. They have great plans to come to a day like today when their team will hoist the Lombardi Trophy and they will be crowned the greatest team in the world in the sport of football. But things happen along the way and as the 18-week season wears on, the outlook becomes more challenging and for some of them, it wears even further and begins to look very bleak. But while we are sporting our jerseys today, we're wearing our comfortable jeans, we are here to talk about life. We're here to talk about its sudden surprises and its challenges that hit us unexpectedly, <clears throat> leaves people in despair. And if we're not careful, we end up with an outlook that will be bleak. If we're not careful, we will allow the things that we see to become more important than the things that we don't see. And if that happens, it will zap our joy. It will zap our essence. It will take away not only our spiritual life. If we're not careful, it could take away our physical life. This Christian thing, this thing called Christian living, it must always be done with the right outlook. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if you're counting on the circumstances of life to provide a great outlook, friend, you're going to be disappointed. But in this three-chapter book, this three-little-chapter book, we find the prophet having an experience just like this with the Lord. His heart is extremely heavy because of what he sees going on around him. And because of what he sees going on around him, things look bleak. They look dreadful. The outlook is disheartening. And it is almost more than he can handle. But I believe the Lord, for the next few moments, is going to show us exactly where he wants us to travel when bad things happen in our life. I believe the Lord is going to show us a process that he wants to take us to through. And then I believe he wants to show us a place where he wants to arrive at. A process to go through and a place to arrive at. If you look at the book of Habakkuk, you start in chapter 1. In this first chapter, you will see Habakkuk, and he's full of wonder and worry. He's wondering how we got here as a nation, as a people. He's worried how are we going to get out of the situation we find ourselves in as a nation. He says in the first chapter, he tells God how bad things are around here. And he even asked the question, Lord, how long shall I cry unto you about the violence that is present, and yet you will not save us? He goes on to say the wicked are, are surrounding or compassing the righteous. We're trying to live right for you, and it seems like the wicked are just overwhelming us. 
And then he, he began to ask this question, why do I, as a prophet, why do I have to behold the grievance that is happening to my people, the people that I love and the people that I care about? In chapter 1, he's full of wonder, how are we going to get out of this mess? In chapter 1, he's worried about the condition. He's very much like a, a man in the book of Psalms who's named Asaph. Asaph lived a lot, of, a lot of his psalms that he wrote. It was all about wondering and worrying why the wicked were prospering and those living godly were, were suffering. But then back to Habakkuk, to magnify things, he discovers that even though the people have been rebellious and even though they have disobeyed God, God is sending a nation that is more wicked than the nation of Judah to punish Judah for their sins and idolatry. How does that happen? You know, sometimes we blow it and sometimes God needs to correct us. But there's something, something doesn't seem to be right when he sends a heathen along to correct us. When he sends a boss along that would curse us out to look at us. And they're the ones that God uses to bring correction into our life. But it happens. There are times that that does happen in our lives. And we, don't, we, try, to, we try to process that as, as children of God. And so now the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 1, he's full of wonder and full of worry. And if you read through the first chapter of his book, you will seem to sense that, that he's on the verge of an anxiety attack. And, and by the way, let me just tell you, anxiety attacks are very real. You read in chapter 1, and you almost come to a conclusion that he's on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Anxiety attack, nervous breakdown. And let me just tell you, children of God, we don't understand it all. We can't wrap our mind around it. And sometimes if we don't experience for ourselves, then we lack empathy for others that are children of God that go through anxiety attacks, that go through nervous breakdowns. I try to understand. I try to relate. But I've not dealt with anxiety anxiety attacks. I've not dealt with nervous breakdowns. I've, I've tried to understand the definition of the two. For example, an anxiety attack is that moment of intense fright or panic, and it can be triggered by a perceived threat. An anxiety attack can come on suddenly, whereas a, a nervous breakdown is, is stress that literally can cause a person to shut down. I mean, they can shut down emotionally. They can shut down mentally. They want to pull the blinds. They want to pull the curtains. They want to pull the cover up over their head. They, they, they simply can't take the cares of life. And, and I, I look and, and I see Habakkuk and I'm thinking, he's a candidate for an anxiety attack. He's a candidate for a nervous breakdown because of the things that he goes, he sees going on around him. It's not just to his people, but it's to his family. It's for his own personal safety. And how many of us have ever been in the place of wonder and worry? We wonder how about this situation, how it's going to turn out and we we worry and and now this has left me the worry has left me partially paralyzed we worry about the long-term effects upon our bodies and our mind and our future and our family we wonder and we worry and we worry and we wonder and we have more questions and we have less answers which all that does is produce more worry and more anxiety and let me just stop here and tell you I I, I know that 
I know some of your situations, but the truth of the matter is too many of us have allowed the circumstances of life to control us to the point that we've become professional warriors. But I want you to know today that God wants to give you victory completely over worry. He doesn't want you to live in wonder. He doesn't want you to live in worry. He doesn't want you to fret and, and, and be concerned about every little thing that comes your way. Can I tell you that worry will make your troubles bigger and they will make them more magnified. This is a lighthearted story maybe, but for several years a woman had been having trouble getting to sleep at night because she feared burglars. Well, one night her husband heard a noise in the house, so he went downstairs to investigate. When he got there, he did find a burglar. And you know what the husband did? He said, good evening, come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting for you for 10 years. The psalmist tells us you're disquieted in vain. Let that sink in for a moment. You're disquieted in vain. The translation is, is that you are worrying for nothing. The Bible tells you it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. In Luke, Jesus said, don't allow or let your hearts to be overcharged with the cares of this life. What I've come by to preach to the wondering and the worrying folks in the house and online today is that today can be the day that you cast all your cares upon the Lord for he can cares for you. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> I just, I, you, can you just indulge me for a moment? Because I feel the Holy Ghost. I know I'm wearing a red skin jersey, but I still feel the Holy Ghost. And can I just take a moment, can I just take a moment right here in this service and renounce anxiety attacks in the name of Jesus and leave people in the house fearful and fretful and fight frightful? Can I just take a moment and reject in the name of the great Son of God nervous breakdown potential that could leave you numb and paralyzed for minutes or hours or days at a time? I'm telling you, God wants you to leave the chapter one of worry and wonder, and he wants you to put your trust and faith in him and he wants to let you know everything is going to be all right in Jesus name you got to trust in the Lord with all of your heart all of your heart I stand here today telling you I do not have it all figured out I don't judge people with anxiety attacks. I don't judge people that have had nervous breakdowns. Maybe I didn't deal with any of that, but now I'm a parent. Hello. I had a guy come to me one time when I was in Fredericksburg. I had one kid. He had six and a set of twins in the mix. And I said to him, I said, Jason, I said, man, you're blessed. I only have one child. You have six kids. He looked at me kind of odd. He said, how am I more blessed than you? And I said, because there's going to come a day that a decision will have to be made about whether to put you in a nursing home or not. And I said, if you have six kids... There's a chance one of the six, the percentages are good in your favor. But when you only have one, it may depend on the mood he's in that day. 
chapter 1, he was just wondering and worrying. But then God takes him to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he moves from wonder and worry to watching and waiting. Look at, look at this, verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, I will stand upon my watch and set me up on the tower and will watch to see what he will say to me. What he will say to me. Now, give me a moment. In the Old Testament days, cities would be built. And when the cities were built, they would be built with these tremendous walls around them. They are something bigger than you can imagine in your mind's eye. Several tens of feet in the air. But it wasn't just about their height. It was about the thickness of the walls. The thickness of the walls was so deep. There was so much depth through the height of the walls that you could ride horses and chariots across the top of the, the walls of the city that surrounded. It was, it was built so fortress-like that, that to keep the residents safe inside and to keep the enemies outside. And, and then on top of that, wall, they would build a tower, and there would always be a person in the watchtower. And, and their role was very, very important. And on top of this, on top of this wall, in this watchtower, this, this person would always occupy uh, the purpose of the, the watchtower for two reasons. Number one, he was going to look for enemies that might be trying to sneak up on the city. So by being up in the watchtower on this mammoth-sized wall, he could look out over the countryside and see and try to identify if there were enemies that were trying to set up so they could attack the city. Additionally, another reason, it would be to receive a message. The man in the watchtower would see messengers coming, and they'd be on foot or on horseback or donkey back, and they would be, they would be coming uh, uh, to convey uh, some important information. And the man in the watchtower would have to identify if they were a friend or a foe and what their message was and convey it to the people inside of the city. And so Habakkuk said, you know what, I got a good idea. I'm going to crawl into my watchtower above all the complaints below me and, and all the compromises around me. Well, praise the Lord. And I'm going to get into my spiritual watchtower, and I'm going to listen for the voice of the Lord, and I'm going to see the hand of God moving because the Father is at work on my behalf. So instead of worrying and wondering, I'm going to watch and wait. Woo, praise the Lord. I'm going to watch and wait, and I'm going to believe that God is going to work on my behalf. Listen to what God had already told him. God had already told him, I am working a work that will amaze you. I, <laughs> whoa, praise the Lord. I am working a work that will amaze you. And let me just remind you, as I do quite often in a Sunday morning service, of what Jesus said in John 5, 17. He said these words, my my father has been working until now, and I also have been working. Let me just remind somebody today, he's not sitting idly by while you're wondering and worrying. He is not dormant while you are watching and waiting. 
praise God, he's in the spirit realm. He's working on your behalf. And soon and very soon, he's going to reveal his mighty hand on your behalf. Well, praise the Lord. And let me just tell you, God has called me to be a watchman in the tower of the Pulaski Church of God on behalf of this church body. And I look out over the horizon, and I anticipate the enemy's soon arrival. And I am aware of his devices. But I want to declare today from the watchtower of the walls of the church of the Pulaski Church of God by the word, by faith, by the spirit that God has everything under control. I put my hand above my eyebrows and I look abroad and I see, yes, there is an enemy approaching that's trying to wreak havoc in the church of God. But can I tell you, there's a greater army that is around the enemy of our soul that's going to give every one of us the victory. Hold on, child of God. I'll say it again. Everything is going to be all right. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't despise the chapter twos in your life of watching and waiting. <laughs> God's at work. He hadn't answered my prayer. Daniel prayed. The answer would arrive 21 days after he prayed. But God heard his prayer the first day. God answered his prayer the first day. The answer on its way had to go through some static in the spiritual realm had to go through some opposition in the spiritual realm. But at God's divine appointed time, the answer arrived to the prophet of the Lord. He's at work. You just can't see it. He's bottled every tear. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. He has bottled every tear. He's heard every groan. Every petition you've made in the name of Jesus he hears and he answers your prayers. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Watching and waiting. Don't be on your heels, be on your tippy toes. Looking out. <laughs> at any moment, at any moment, Susie's coming home to Jesus. At any moment, Johnny's going to get delivered from drugs and alcohol. At any moment, I'm up in the watchtower, and I've already done enough worrying, and I've done enough wondering, and now I've moved to chapter 2, and I've prayed enough that now I'm just watching and waiting until I see it come to pass. I've already seen it with my spiritual eyes, and I'm believing for the day I'm going to see it with my natural eyes. There's a whole lot to be said for watching and waiting. And let me just, let me just, can I just, there ain't nothing worse than a preacher that rabbit trails. So I'm a rabbit trail. Just a bit. In chapter 2, while he was waiting on the Lord and watching 
a most wonderful assurance came to him. It's in verse 4 of chapter 2. And listen to what it says. The just shall live by his faith. That's a great phrase. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. The just shall live by his faith. Now watch this. This little three-chapter prophet, in the midst of all of his despair, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he pens those words in the Old Testament. Now some verses, they are impacting in a way, and then some have exponential impact. And this is one of those verses. Because when you go to the New Testament, Romans 1.17, the just shall live by his faith. When you go to Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by his faith. When you go to Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by his faith faith. <laughs> Revelation came to an Old Testament prophet up in his spiritual watchtower while he was watching and waiting. Let me tell you this. You got to get this part. Revelation that formed the basis of our Christianity. For without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. From Habakkuk, from Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, from that and the subsequent verses in the New Testament form the foundation for what has become in our history the Protestant Reformation. I'm telling you, somebody's going to get this. Maybe not all of you get it, but somebody ought to get this. The just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. Paul quoted it twice, and if he was the writer of Hebrews, he quoted it three times. What I'm trying to tell you is the very foundation of our Christianity today was given to us by a prophet that was up in his watchtower waiting and watching for God's hand to move on his behalf. Great things come to those who wait upon the Lord. Wow. This is a prophet that has left wonder and worry in chapter 1 to go to watching and waiting in chapter 2. And let me just stop here and tell you because I know there's many in the room that are waiting for God to do something. You're waiting. You're watching. You haven't seen it with these eyes, but you've seen it with these eyes. You got to see it with these eyes. I can't push that enough. You got to see it with these eyes. That old stubborn spouse that for 30 years you've been praying for, don't you lose your spiritual vision of watching them in an altar of repent repentance. You have to keep believing with your spiritual eyes. And allow God to work it out. <laughs> I know you want to slap him. But God can do more in a moment than you can with a hundred slaps. You've got to keep watching. You've got to keep waiting. You've got to keep seeing with these eyes. Until the day comes that you can see with these eyes. He went from wonder and worry... Then he went to watching and waiting. And then he went to worship and winning. That's exactly what he did. 
worry and wonder was left behind in chapter 1. And he's in chapter 2, and while he's watching and waiting, he says, you know what? I'm going to worship. Therefore, while I worship, I'm guaranteed to win. Nothing on the external has changed. Nothing has changed from chapter 1 to chapter 3. It still looks the same. But Habakkuk says, I'm not going to live with an earthly mindset consumed I'm going to leave worry. I'm going to watch and wait. And I'm going to worship while I watch and wait. And if I do that, I'm guaranteed to win when it's all said and done. You cannot, you cannot live with an earthly mindset. It will consume you. It will lead to anxiety and shattered nerves. Praying this morning. I told you publicly. I talked to a pastor friend. He used the word that's probably more appropriate. He says, I despise weather decisions on Sunday morning. I despise them. I'm quoting him. I despise them. Sister Weaver, it's never easy, is it? All them years, Pastor Weaver had to make that call. Pastor Dan, it's a, it's a brutal. One Sunday, I canceled service in King George County. The forecast was terrible. I'm telling you, them people, the meteorologists ain't going to heaven. The forecast was brutal. I canceled everything. By 10 a.m., the sun was shining. And the roads were dry. Another time, several years later, I had service. You know, I had that, we're going to do this thing. And one of my determined senior adults walked out on her front porch to determined to come to church and fell and broke her hip. You can't win. You can't win. People talk smack about you if you do. People talk smack about you if you don't. So I'm in the darkness of the downstairs room this morning, and I'm wondering and worrying. What's this friend going to do? And what's this friend going to do? We have this consortium of pastors. Hey, man, check it in. What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. We're all just confused. And so me and God are talking about it. And I'm praying and worrying and wondering. I don't know what to do. Spirit of God checked me. He said, why don't you just stop, lift your hand, and start worshiping me? Busted. Before I stand behind this sacred desk this morning, I personally was busted by the Holy Ghost. And sitting in that chair, I just lifted my hand up in the dark and I just said, 
You are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You are Jehovah Shammah, the present one. You are Jehovah Sid Canoe, my righteousness. Oh, you are everything to me. You are the bread for my hungry soul. You are the water for my thirsty heart. You are everything. I worship you. I worship you. And that's what Habakkuk did. He left worry and wonder behind. And he said, you know what? I may still be in chapter 2, and I may still be in the watchtower looking and 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 observing and hoping for something to appear on the horizon. But when it's all said and done, though the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine, and the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will worship while I'm watching and waiting. I wish somebody would give the Lord praise. And how does he finish it? I've left worry and wonder behind in chapter 1. I'm watching and waiting in chapter 2. And I've added worship, Brother Ron. And how am I going to finish my prophecy? The very last verse. I'm going up to high places. You can stay in the low valley if you want to. But I want to go to high places. Instead of getting lost in your problems, get lost in his presence. Instead of being consumed with the challenges... You're not by yourself. We all are facing them. Be consumed with the reality of his unfailing love, care, and guidance for you. Nothing's changed. Somebody holler at me on Wednesday, I'm sure. I was expecting something to change since that sermon on Sunday. You missed the message. Nothing changed from chapter 1 to chapter 3. But if you walk out of here today with a determination to worship on your way to win, a greater miracle will take place. Greatest miracle is not what God does for you, it's what God does in you. The prophet's perplexed. Now he has peace. He was confused. Now he's content. He's fearful. He now has faith in the future. Why? Because he has faith in his God. And he rejoices in his salvation. Nothing, nothing externally had changed. But his outlook had changed. If he looked ahead, he saw destruction. If he looked within, he saw nothing but fear. If he looked around, the economy for the people was falling apart. But when he looked up, he saw the Father. And his fears would vanish, and he would worship. (laughs) Look up. Look up. I'm going up to high places. How are you going to go up to high places if you don't look up to high places? 
I'll walk into a wall. Talk all day long about going to high places, Brother Jerry. But until you start looking toward where you want to go, he has made you to sit together with him in heavenly places. So therefore, I will lift up, up mine eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I will do exactly what Jesus commanded me to do. I will set my affections upon things above and not upon the earth beneath. I want to go up to my high place. But to do it, I got to first start looking up. God help us. While we wonder, we will worship. While we wait, we will worship. While we watch, we will worship. This is the winning process. This is the winning result. Who cares, really, in the grand scheme of things, about 106 men that will tear each other's bodies apart tonight over a piece of pigskin? When you put it like that, Pastor. People will gyrate immorally over a halftime show. That's burped out of hell. Kind of like that stunt that was pulled at the Grammys last week. The devil's working overtime. But don't you lose sight of this child of God. You are on the winning side. You are on the winning side. You are on the winning side. There's plenty of clouds out there today for him to step out on and call me home. And wouldn't it be a beautiful thing? <laughs> Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. If you're lost in the room, reality is <clears throat> life has thrown you some curves. And here's truth. Jesus has allowed them to awaken you to your need for him. That's truth. You've come to this crossroads. Today you can find your peace with the Lord. How, Pastor? It's very simple. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I believe what you did on the cross was for me, and I accept you into my heart. It's that simple. In just a few moments, I'll give you a chance to come to the altar and and pray that prayer. But is there any believers in the room?
you seem to live in chapter one. You seem to just dwell there, always worrying, always wondering. And you've heard the word today. It's first of all, you got to leave it behind. You got to move into a place of watching and waiting, but that's not enough. While you're there, you've got to you got to lift up a hand to worship. If you're going to fulfill the process, if you're going to arrive to the place that you want to be, you've got to you got to leave chapter one. You got to you got to go to chapter two. You got to say, you know what? I'm going to embrace my spiritual vision over my physical and natural vision. I'm going to watch and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to wait and I'm going to look out on the horizon and I'm going to I'm going to see with eyes of faith God bringing it to pass. And while I'm watching and waiting, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to worship. Maybe you've been watching and waiting, but you just haven't added worship. You just haven't added worship. You're looking around, and you're looking behind, and you're looking in front of you. You're looking inside of you, and the Lord is saying, I sent by your pastor today to tell you to, it's time to look up. It's time to look up. Maybe it's no one in the room. Maybe it's half the room. But if, if there's an invitation by the Holy Spirit to come, would you, would you obey Him right now? Would you do it? Come on, would you obey Him right now? Would you just come? You know, you could be that person who says, you know what, I'm always worrying, Pastor. I'm always worrying. It's time for it to stop, and I want it to stop today. No more wondering how I got here. No more worrying about how I'm going to get out of it. It stops today. Maybe you're here and you're that person that's, maybe you're not that worrier, but you're still waiting on God to do something. You need Him to do something, but let's be honest, you haven't really worshipped Him while you're watching and waiting. You've allowed the circumstances to discourage your heart of worship. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Your heart of worship has been, your devotion has been dampened because of the cares of life, and the Lord is saying, I want you to come. I want you to come to me. I'm at work. I want you to trust that I'm at work. Don't look at things with your natural vision. That person hasn't changed. They may not change when you get home today. It may be another week. It may be another month. It may be another year. But I want to know, the Holy Spirit says, if you're just going to come and worship me. Worship me. Because the greatest blessings in your life is to be made to sit together with the Lord in heavenly places. My God, I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this place. Come on, you're going to have to lift some hands. You're going to have to lift some hands. Whether you're bowing or standing, you're going to have to lift some hands. Come on, lift them up. Lift them up. I will worship you. I will worship you. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Anxiety will not control me. My shattered nerves, I will not be disheveled by them. Today's a new day. Today, I go out of here winning. I go out of here winning because while I'm watching and waiting, I'm going to worship all over this place, all over this place. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. There's so many cares of this life. So many cares of this life. Oh, I feel him here. I feel him here. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
children of God, look at me from the congregation. You see somebody up here that you know or is a friend of yours or a sister in Christ. Come on, come on, stand in behind them. Come on. They're in a place of watching and waiting. Come on. Come on, just come in and put a hand on their shoulder. Come on, quickly, quickly. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is in this place. You then, the congregation, stretch your hand this direction. Hallelujah. They're getting some victory today. They're getting some victory today. When they walk out of here, they're, <laughs> they're still going to be watching and they're still going to be waiting. But there's a new element that's going to be added today. And it's the element of worship. <laughs> Hallelujah. My peace I give unto you. Not peace as the world gives. In this world you shall have tribulation, but you be of good cheer. I've overcome the my Lord, my Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we put down worry, we lift up worship. We put down wonder, we lift up worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going <laughs> to... Peace sweep over their soul today. Sweep over their soul today. Sweep over their heart and their emotions today. Remind them... God, you've got it all under control. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I renounce anxiety attacks. Hallelujah. I rebuke nervous breakdowns over my kids. I'm not going to allow it to control me. God's got his hand on me. He's got his hand on them. I dedicated them a long time ago. My Lord, my God. I gave them to Jesus a long time ago. He's in their care. He's in their care. My Lord, I feel his spirit. Somebody worship him in the house this morning. Somebody worship him in the house this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 